Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, Season 6, Episode 17. This is the place where we build young men and young women, not just strength-wise, but letting them own who they are, walk into their own life, finding their strengths, finding the things that, that make them who they're going to be, you know, getting to, getting to work on time, you know, applying yourself, teamwork. You learn all that in the weight room. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. Today, we're joined by Corliss Fingers. Corliss spoke at the NSCA National Conference in New Orleans a few months back, and we're excited to have her on the podcast today. Uh, coming from Bethune-Cookman University, the Director of Strength and Conditioning, working with the football team. We're in the middle of preseason camp right now. Corliss, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. Middle of preseason. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, appreciate you taking the time to be with us, share a little bit about your story, your background. Uh, why don't you kick it off that way? Just tell us how you got into the field of strength and conditioning and uh, up to where you're at today. I got into the, the field by going to my advisor toward the end of my junior year to complain about student teaching. <laughs> I was going to be a PE teacher and I had just finished up my student teaching when I realized I don't like kids. Like they were a hot mess. That was that was tough between, you know, trying to get their attention and execute the plan that I had put together and it's not really going the same way <laughs> I wanted to go. Um, but that's all I knew. I didn't really, I knew I, I still love sports and working out and being in athletics. And I felt that was the only thing like the strength and conditioning with the education and uh, concentration in education. I felt that was it. Not until I went to my advisor and said, you got to find something else. And he's like, it's your junior year. I'm like, I don't care. We got to figure out something else. I can't do this. And when we looked at all the classes that I'd taken and what I had left, he said, well, we could switch you over to a concentration in wellness and fitness. I'm like, that sounds fine. Let's go with it. You know, and it just kind of took off from there. My love for everything, how the body worked, kind of played into that. Being an athlete at the collegiate level itself helped out. I knew the weight room. Um, I think once I did all of that, I got a job at Spy Health Club personal training. And I started to really kind of get into this whole weight room thing. And here enters Jeff Mad Dog Madden, who's looking for someone to get the O-line and the D-line moving a little bit more, whether it's ballet or some type of dance. And a couple of guys who had done some summer work at the club said that the lady that does the funk aerobics is pretty feisty. And if you're not in that class 45 minutes before it gets started, you're not going to find a, speed, a, a seat. It's like a, a club. She got a DJ. I mean, lights are going, it is so much fun. So he came to check it out and he asked me, I'll be willing to work with the O-line and D-line that spring. They had just got there. Mac Brown had just got there. And I'm like, sure. He locked me in the room and it, it took off from there. Like, he loved the way I commended the room. Um, if I didn't like the way they were, our smallest thing in there, I didn't like the way they were moving. We started over from the top. I didn't care. And he liked it. He was like, now that they we're done with that, that was the five weeks prior to spring ball. He said, what is it that you really want to do? Like you, you seem 
like you're good at this. I'm like, well, I want to do what you do, but women don't do that. Again, this was in 1993 and I had never seen a female strength coach. And so he's like, well, you know what? I got to open it. I got some, some change over to the side, a little more money I could throw you away. Won't be big, but let's, you know, let's see where it goes. And it just, it, it's almost like the profession chose me. You know, I didn't know it existed and I didn't choose it. The profession chose me. So that's how I got my foot in the door was not liking my, my student teaching <laughs> or realizing <laughs> that it's got to be something more. Um, and Mad Dog being in the right place at the right time. And that's how I got my career started in strength and conditioning. 27, almost 28 years later, I'm still here. That's really, really interesting. I, I think it's... Uh... I think it's more meaningful when you hear it from that path. I like a lot of coaches, you know, we choose strength and conditioning for a lot of different reasons, but for many of us, it is a calling something that, that draws us in, whether it was our athletic experience or, or just the connection, uh, with, with student athletes. That's what he and, said. And he said that connection was something that he saw that you don't see often. And I did. I ran track at the University of North Carolina and you know, I've been removed maybe two years. And he said just that that Tar Heel connection, that former athlete connection and just me not being easily intimidated and just kind of I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how I wanted to done. And if they weren't doing it the way I wanted, I had no problem starting over until we got what I wanted out of it. So I chose me. It chose me. I didn't I didn't even know it existed. He kind of introduced me to it. Well, there, even today, there's not a lot of women doing what you're doing in the field, director of strength and conditioning, overseeing a football program at the division one level. Want to talk a little bit about that today. You, uh, Daytona beach here in the South, it's hot, it's humid. Uh, I could only imagine preseason camp down there is, is a little different and, uh, just share your insight about how you prepare athletes for, a football season ahead, you know, given the increased demands of just that heat and humidity. Sure. Well, it starts off really with the athletes. You know, my first year here, you know, I'm doing all this extra prepping and realized I didn't need it. These kids were used to it. I wasn't used to it. I'm the one passing out in the end zone. I'm like, what is going on? This extra layer of, you know, wetness on me is just ridiculous. Oh, coach, that's Florida. We good. Like, the, the athletes that are from here, they're they're used to it. So that's been helpful. I think this past week, the Northerners, our New Yorkers, our, you know, our Jersey birds, they are struggling. So one of the things that we've done is the summer training was huge this year with just getting them acclimated to the weather. We do a lot of our conditioning early morning. So I'm talking six in the morning out of the heat we get it done we've had practice um first couple of days kind of like at 11 and we have off the field by by one you know by 12 or actually i'm sorry we started at nine and we were off by 11 11 30 just to kind of get them used to it. and then yesterday was our first two o'clock practice and today will be our, our second one but We'll do walkthroughs maybe in the afternoon, you know, just to get them used to being in that sun and that heat, but not extremely stressful yet. So just making the adjustments, um, speaking with the head coach and athletic trainer, we really, really work together. 
it's it's a well-oiled machine tool. It's if I feel that it needs to be adjusted, I don't have a problem saying, hey, coach, you know, we need to do this or we need to do that or we need to pull back. He said, I agree. Same thing with an athletic trainer. But what I think that has been really successful about this, we got a lot of Florida guys on our roster and this ain't nothing. They are so used to it. We take the slow progression, you know, in the beginning, as far as, you know, not too much, too soon with the reps, they said lots of water breaks. We have tents out there. And I swear the people that are under the tents are the staff members that are not from here. <laughs> and the boys are like, it's a great day out here. I'm like, great day. It's 97 degrees <laughs> with a heat index of 105. They're like, yeah, maybe go to the beach a little later after practice. I'm going home to go to bed. Ain't nobody going to nobody's beach. They're used to it. So we've made the adjustments, um, but it's not as needed as you would think because of the athletes that we have here. Definitely keep the hydration. And I try to educate them a lot on the food and the carbs, you know, the, the things to eat during this time, just to kind of help to have their body, you know, um, use the certain things that they need to use as fuel for these practices that we're having. So we make the adjustments when needed, but I was so shocked that it's not as it's not as needed as much as it was when I was at Maryland. You know, okay, I struggled a lot. These Florida boys are something different. No, I like that, and and you, there's a lot of checkpoints in there from a safety standpoint. Yes. Just adjusting the schedule, yep. paying attention to hydration, nutrition, yes. um, keeping an eye on just the the individual athletes, knowing where they're exactly. from. Yes, who, who Over the might be, too. yeah, who might be susceptible for, yes. uh, you know, heat illness or one of Absolutely. those types of things. Yep. Um, I get the information from, you know, we have our physicals in the beginning, and we get our who's got, you know, the sickle cell trait, who has the asthma. You know, you keep all of that, and you get a chance. I think the summer helped out a lot as well, not just getting them used to this heat, but for me to get to know their bodies and, you know, what they're capable of capable of doing. Like I, I actually had a guy who did start cramping and I recognized it because he's always in the front, that pride on being in the front. Well, all of a sudden now he's in the middle of the pack when we're doing running. Hmm, this is not normal. Not because he wasn't winning the sprints because I know his speed come to find out his calves were cramping a little bit. Okay. So now, Hey, he's not going to pull himself out. I got a chance to know him. He's not going to pull himself out. So now I'm going to like trainers and his position coach, Keep an eye on him. Oh, like he's doing good. No, you think he's doing good because he's still in the top of the pack, but he wins all of them. So the, now that he's in the middle, something is bothering him. Come to find out he was cramping a little bit. And then knowing his body type, knowing his body fat, knowing his other, we need to sit him down. So I think that's where the, the, the strength coach part comes into play too, with knowing their speed, knowing their strength, knowing when it looks a little off and where we need to make the adjustments. Working at the Division One level, but it's a smaller school within Division One. You have a lot of uh, you. You still have some big boys out there, but keeping weight on is definitely a priority. And I think that's always a challenge during preseason camp when you're building them up to the workload they're going to need to sustain over the season. Talk about nutrition a little bit and just how how your role and the resources you have at the university play into that. We don't have a dietitian. We don't have a you know um, nutritionist. I wear many hats, so I have to 
be mindful of who we have, what's going on. We do weigh them before practice and then weigh them again afterwards to see how much was lost and keep an eye on that. You know, how much of a percentage is, is lost in, in sweat and in water. Just today, I get a phone call like, are you coming to the calf? Um, I haven't planned on it. I got some stuff going on. Well, you need to get over here. Like, why? What's going on? You know, A, B, and C is not eating. When yesterday you came over here and you did this whole spill in the cafeteria on what to eat, what not to eat, what's red light, what's green light, and they they just said they're too tired or there's nothing good that they like or the line is too long. So that's why I come in. Like, I kind of know their bodies, kind of give them a little education. I have had guys lose a lot. And like one of the guys that is like, you need to get over here. He's already lost seven pounds, you know, in the past five days. And I can't afford for him to lose anymore. So now we got to play the whole, all right, if we take this from this line and put it on top of a salad and then we add this onto it, let's sprinkle a little olive oil over top of all of that. It's many hats. So yes, we don't have the things that some of the bigger school has, but I'm, I'm fine with filling in a gap. And a lot of it is just education, just giving them things that they can remember that's not too overwhelming, knowing that they have camp and plays and <laughs> getting ready for classes and hitting them over the head with a bunch of ratios of how much it, no, okay, let's put some color on your plate. I need some type of starch, you know, and explain why they need it, why, how the body reacts to them eating a lot or eating less or running a lot or sweating a lot and practice the days at two, you know, it's going to be hot. So I'm going to need for you to go get the rice. I don't care if it's only two tablespoons. Let's add a little something to it. Put it on your burrito. Like, yeah, many, many hats. Got to educate them as much as I can. And I try to keep it stupid simple. It sounds like you have a really great relationship with your, with your team, with your players. And maybe this, scenario of some limited resources plays into that a little bit where you're able to get different type of access than if you had uh, even more resources that, mm -hmm. that, you know, a whole team of nutritionists or dietitians, for example, mm -hmm. that would, that would uh, take that out of your job responsibility. But that's something to think about for coaches is that when we get into these roles, we always want more resources yeah. and the ability to give more to our teams, more to our athletes, but when we do that, our relationships with our players, with our coaches, it changes. It does. It really does. I, I think that I have a better relationship with them just because I don't have all of that. And that's where the mom comes in sometimes. You know, like I'm able to know who's the vegans, who's the Presbyterians and don't eat, you know, certain things. Who are the vegetarians and why? You know, is it religious reasons? Is it just they had an incident at some point. Do they have, you know, certain things they may not share with their coaches? Like, well, you know, diabetes runs in my family. You know, every male in my side of family has had it. I'm trying to do everything I can to combat that. So I've changed my diet so that I can live longer. You know, I lost my father when I was a certain amount. So that type of stuff you tell, we call this the dungeon. We're at the bottom of the, the weight room is the bottom of the building. So in the dungeon, anything goes. It's like, I do not control the 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 starting roster, the travel, you know, I don't control in that. So I'm an equal opportunity offender. So here, <laughs> you know, you either work hard or you don't. It's going to show. So they're able to share with me a little bit more and I'm able to connect with them. They don't have to be so hardcore and, you know, I'm a lion, you know, I, I eat meat. No, I don't like meat. Like I'm, I'm a vegetarian. Like 
I'm okay with being, you know, 300 and some pounds asking for tofu instead of, you know, y'all have any tofu back there? So because they shared this stuff with me, it allows me to have a different relationship with them and then return the same. So if I've taken the time to say, hey, listen, I got some samples from a um, supplement company. They sent me these vegan, you know, protein bars. I saved a, a box for you. That goes a long way. So now I'm looking at his nutrition. I'm, I'm trying to make sure he puts the right amount of weight on and, you know, maintain a certain health because I care enough about that when he comes in the weight room is coach what you need from me. You know, eyes are locked in. I can ask him to run through this wall, five sets of it. He's like, okay, I got you because I care enough to know what he needs. I get the return and I'm gonna care enough about me to give me what I need. So I think not having all of the resources that the other has make me a more effective strength coach. Because if you don't have those connections, you get nothing, you're wasting your time. They're wasting their time, I'm wasting mine. You gotta have those connections to have them more productive in the weight room. A little bit more on the leadership side now at the 2022 NSCA National Conference, you spoke about preparing better staff and athletes, not holding them back. Uh, was one of the themes that came through there. Uh, and that that comes through today with what you're saying. Let them be themselves and and you uh, you adapt and find ways to help them and meeting meeting them where they're at. Uh, talk about your session a little bit. Share some of the highlights for us. Um, I guess I what I was trying to get out actually was received. And my old folks say, Are you picking up what I'm putting down? People actually picked up what I put down because I've gotten emails, I've gotten phone calls, I've got like, thank you, I didn't even think about it. So what I was trying to say is you want to make sure you have people on your staff to connect with the people that are coming in the weight room. You know, if you have a staff of all males, then that, and they're over the entire strength and conditioning department, then that female tennis player is going to feel a little uncomfortable. That women's basketball player, that softball player might feel uncomfortable coming to, again, we're in a dungeon. We're equal opportunity defenders. Like, this is the place where we build young men and young women, not just strength-wise, but letting them own who they are, walk into their own life, finding their strength, finding the things that, that make them who they're going to be, you know, getting to, getting to work on time, you know, applying yourself, teamwork. You learn all that in the weight room. But you also got to connect with somebody in there. So if there's no one on this staff that looks like me, it's going to be hard for me to go in there and give my all every day. Because it's just another little box that I got to check off that I did. I'm just another number on the roster. So what I was trying to say is have more members on your staff that connect with whoever you got coming in there. You know, whether it's a female, uh, a black female, a black male, you know, even those that have... Um, you know, males that work with all women's sports. That's fine. If he is the gymnastic strength coach and he's the best there is, wonderful. But let there be another female somewhere on staff that she can come up to and say, hey, um, do you have a tampon? You know, stuff like that happens. You're in the middle of doing squats and all of a sudden you're like, I need to, you know, ask somebody for something. If the entire strength and conditioning staff is male, you're not getting the most out of that tennis player because she don't feel comfortable just asking anybody for anything. So you're holding her back because she's not able to come in that room and really grow, really develop. You know, I don't want to have a big traps and the big shoulders. Same thing with the staff members. I was the only one 
that looked like me for 15 years. That was extremely lonely. That was lonely. It would have been great if there was another, another female on staff. It would have been great if there was another black person on staff. Someone that I can at least, you know, share strengths or weaknesses or excitement or disappointments with. But I came to work for 15 years and I, I was I'm a badass. I did my job. I mean, national championship. It was great. But it was very lonely at times when you spend 50, 60 hours a week in that same building with those same people. So you're holding back members on your staff from being great. Like, I know I was good and I was great, but I could have probably been a whole lot better if I didn't have to spend 90% of my time making others feel comfortable around me. Does that make sense? That's deep. And, and, that, and I, I honestly will say, years later, I'm, I'm comfortable enough to say the majority of my time was making others feel comfortable around me. Can't be too black. I talk with my hands. I'm very animated. I'm excited. You don't know if I'm talking about my son, if I'm talking about the weather, or if you missed a whole set of squats and I'm mad. Everything is the same tone. But I found myself, okay, hold on to your hands because you've been told others think that you're aggressive. All right. Um, you've been told that, you know, we're taking team pictures today or tomorrow. Are you going to wear your hair like that? You know, things like that took place. Yes. <laughs> so if there was another black person on staff, I would have been like, can you believe I was just asked, am I going to wear my hair like this? I guess I'm going to have to, you know, stop holding them back. I'm not going to say I was held back, but I think I probably would have blossomed a lot faster if I would have had that confidence of knowing I wasn't the only one in the room, that elephant, that only person. Um, same thing with the athletes. You know, I think I try to keep a male on staff. I try to keep, you know, I got the black and I got the female covered, but I just hired um, Hunter Ann straight out of, um, she went to Toledo. She's great. She's learning. Like, so now my non, my small percentage of non-black athletes have somebody to connect to. I don't have like three or four of them, but guess what? There's somebody on staff that looks like them. I think it's important to have representation. It's, that's what I was trying to get across. It's just representation is huge to allow our students to feel safe and needed and wanted and appreciated because they do. They spend so much time in the strength and conditioning department. We see them more than their sport coaches do at certain times of the year. Yeah. You want them, I don't like this waiting to be a chore. It cannot be a chore. I want them to hit that door with excitement. All right, today is the day that I am one step farther to reaching my goals. There's someone in that weight room that cares about me enough to connect with me, to help me reach my goals. All my strength coaches were male, white males. They didn't understand my big butt. Like you, you, you kind of need to, you know, trim down a little bit. My mom hooked up with my dad. I can't control genetics. Like I, I can't go back and say, can you find somebody to help me have a less, you know, big butt or hamstring? I was a sprinter. I'm supposed to have, you know, hamstrings and a badonkey dunk. But I had male strength coaches. My eating disorder started because someone told me I was too big. Yeah. So I think representation is what I was basically trying to get at is don't hold them back. Let them grow. Let them develop. 
you know, the value of representation is a term we hear, we've heard a lot lately. I think it, we got deep real quick right there. And Sorry. I think we, I think we, uh, I have to give a shout out to Leanne Blinn. She always, uh, talks about how you keep it real. And, and I like, uh, I like that you're keeping it real here on the podcast for us. Um, you know, a couple things, you know, we hear, and it's almost become a buzzword, you know, as coaches, we need to have great relationships with our players, but what you're talking about is making people feel comfortable and welcome when they walk in the door throughout the session as you know as things are going and there are layers there yes. that you know no matter how great a strength coach you are, are hard to hard to triage hard to hard to fu fully understand if you don't have a similar background as as one of our athletes coming in the door and i think there's a great point to be made there you mentioned being lonely as a professional at times in this field. And I, I, what popped in my head is that this field, we're in a team environment a lot of time, but it can be very isolating. And it's something where you're isolated because you're not making the money you think you might want to make or hard to find a job. You're being held back because you can't find an opportunity. Hey, you know, jobs are hard to find. Mm -hmm. uh, you're working long hours, but maybe not doing the things that you think you should be doing, or you think are on your level at various stages. And I think that is, uh, something, another word you use was confidence, you know, related to, you know, basically building confidence. It, mm -hmm. it applies to the players. We want to build mm -hmm. their confidence to go out to the, go out to the field and play, but it takes a certain level of confidence to progress through this, this field, this progression uh, and you keep, keep taking hits, you keep wearing the stress of the field and it chips away at that confidence and your ability to keep progressing as a, as a coach to be able to serve those athletes. So yeah, we got deep there, but you know, you touched <laughs> on a lot of things. I thought that was really good. Um, you know, I do want to ask you, you know, you can keep it real for, for young coaches now entering the profession. What you know, what advice do you think they need to hear? You know, you've seen the field progress and evolve. Mm -hmm. What do young coaches getting into the profession today need to hear to be successful in the long run? You don't know as much as you think, you know, I'm still learning 20, almost 27, 28 years you know, later. Um, I'm still learning. I still pick brains of other strength coaches, like young and old. Like I, I'm always learning. And when I'm finding with some of the young ones, <laughs> this generation, I call them COVID kids, but this generation feels entitled and they feel that as soon as they get out of grad school, I should be making this amount of money. I should be working at this, you know, this big time program all because I got my degree from here and I worked under so-and-so. You're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are. You're young and dumb. If you keep that in your main, your, your front front, front of your mind, you'll keep trying to grind and get better, right? So if you think you're already as good as you could possibly get, you're just not going to, you're good. Like, no, I don't think I'm there yet. I still got like some serious years ahead of me and I'm still growing. So basically pick up the phone, go visit somebody else. You know, I did an internship 
Um, I did a grad ship. I need, I'm ready for that new job. No, not really. Now I'm not asking you to go work somewhere for free. What I'm asking you to do is learn from others, broaden your horizon. So especially females, you know, cause we don't, we don't get the opportunities as much as the males. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. A lot of coaches, like I want somebody who played the sport. Well, I didn't play football, but I'm a good strength coach for football. So I got lucky, but a lot of them want somebody who played the sport. You're not going to have that opportunity, but what you do have is you have the ability to learn from someone else. So when the females are GA at, I don't know, down the street at um, Stetson, what, what advice do you have? Go to all the schools in the area, pick their brain. Now, if you got, yeah, you got long days already, but if you call over to, because right here we have Bethune Cookman, we have Stetson, we have Emory Riddle um, that are right here in the area. I am constantly calling, hey, send your people over here. Send them over here. Come learn. You don't have football. Come over here. Let me show you what we do. It's going to be early in the morning. I know you may have a full day, but come watch how we do stuff. Come pick my brain. All right, then go back. If you got some time later in the afternoon, baseball comes in. They're the best sport to watch play because they do it, you know, they do things different. Don't be afraid to go learn from somewhere else. So what? You're not getting paid for it. Like even the high school level, there's some big time strength and conditioning programs at somebody's high school. Go down the street to a high school. Hey, I just want to bring my notepad and just watch you work. You know, and if you don't mind at the end, I ask you some questions. Okay. Hey coach, that was great. Tell me why you superset, you know, shoulder press with snatch, you know, you're learning, but you're also showing that coach that you're interested, you're engaged. They may have something for you. Don't We know everybody. Like, you don't know who they know. I've helped people get jobs that I've never worked with. They just happen to call me all the time. Hey, can you, can we do a quick Zoom? I got some, you know, ideas that I want to bounce off of you. Or can I, can I Zoom you with my lifting session and you see how I got it set up? Absolutely. So now I get a, a, a colleague to call me and say, hey, I got a entry level position. Do you know anybody? As a matter of fact, I know somebody, never worked with them, but here's their name. I've been in contact with them for almost a year, just off and on, you know, that goes a long way. Like you, there's other ways to get your name on that resume on top of everybody else's. And it's not always what you're doing, where you're at. It may be who you know that can vouch that you are still learning, that you're okay with thinking outside the box. Like, I think sometimes folks think, well, you know, in these days and age, I ain't working for free. And these people got, I'm not asking you to work for free. I'm asking you to learn, <laughs> you know, to invest in your own career by calling up some other people and asking if it's okay if I just come spend, you know, a week in your weight room. I think folks know that I'm all right with that because I get those all the time. You know, I, I'm a high school coach. I heard, I'm 45 minutes away, but I'm a high school coach and I heard that you allow us to come in and pick your brain? Absolutely. Here's our training time. We got baseball here, softball here, volleyball here, tennis here. Which time you got? Well, I only got like two hours from four to six. Perfect. Baseball will be training at that time, followed by, you know, a second group of men's basketball. Come in and watch. I don't need you to coach. I just need you to come in and watch. Well, that turned not only for a week into two weeks, into a whole semester. They're coming and they're doing sort of like intern, but not really. You know, it's like, coach, let me help you set up. At the end, that was great. I loved it. Hey, I'm applying for X amount of job, wherever. Tell them to call me. I could put in a good word for you. 
because I've seen you watch. I've seen how engaged you are. So the young people don't know as much as they think they know, but that's, you know, if you really want to really want to do this, you'll spend more time doing it. Not, not where you are, but other places. I learn the most when I go somewhere else. And not just a clinical conference, but high schools. And, you know, we don't have soccer, but yet and still, there's things that strength coaches are able to do with soccer players that transfer to some of the other sports that I'm doing. I think the things that I do with my D-linemen, I learned from working with men's wrestling. Like the, the grip and the, the things that they do and the whole, it's crazy. And so I had to learn how to train a wrestler. And so the things that we did in the weight room were phenomenal. Well, guess what? I can apply some of that to our D-linemen. It's a crossover. So get out there and learn from somebody else. That's a strong point coming from, you know, working with football and that's a sport, you know, everybody knows you're working with, but using that multi-sport mindset. Yes, that sir. Maybe strength and conditioning started with on more on the Olympic side. We have more single sports strength coaches Absolutely. today. Uh, you know, one thing, young coaches, I always say you have every advantage. Nobody sees you coming. If you approach it with the right attitude and mentality, and just go out there that you're going to make as many positive connections as possible. You're going to get that recommendation or referral that, that you're looking for that, that you're willing to offer when someone just shows up and puts the time in, because right. We, we all need help. You know, we yes. all need help in our weight room, Yes. whether it's setting up uh, there's a huge community within strength and conditioning. And I think we, it can, it can get a little heated at times. It can get mm -hmm. a little, you know, the Twitter battles kind of mm -hmm. come on, come into the weight room, maybe a little too often, but one thing I've experienced, and I think you'd agree with this is that for the most part, we're all pretty welcome to right. those reaching out to yes. us, making connections. We want, we didn't just choose this field for ourselves, and we certainly didn't choose it for the money, but we <laughs> chose it to advance the advance the profession to give back to the experiences we had. Maybe that was an, as an athlete yeah. or as a young coach that, Hey, you know, in this profession, I'm going to make it better than I found it. And, and, and work with another sport. Yeah. You know, if you got all male sports on your, on your resume, go to another place where you can get exposed to female sports because those power five strength football only strength and conditioning job, they don't come off that. They don't come that often, mm -hmm. you know, but a director or assistant director at a FCF school, you're going to have to learn to work with. So I had a guy, I had a guy call me mad because I did not choose him as a finalist in uh, a, a position I had open for interview because I sent him a little email. Thank you. But, you know, right now you're not one. You do understand that I was at the Ohio State working with football. And this is a few years ago. I'm like, Yes, I can read. I saw that. <laughs> but here, you're going to help with football, but you're also going to have to work with track and field. You're also going to have to work with tennis. You're also going to have to work with baseball. So here's the thing. Our baseball, Spanish is their first language. Tennis, most of them are foreign. You know, um, softball, baseball, that all football resume does nothing for me. I need to know that you know how to work with a multitude of athletes from culture differences, personality, and weakness. I mean, you can't just start your first warm up with 135 
with the tennis team. Like most of those young women have never been in a weight room. They've been playing tennis since they could pick up a racket. But your all football experience is not going to help them. It's going to make them feel intimidated, scared, and definitely not want to come in. So I can't, I look for that on resumes. I look for multi-sports. I don't look for just big time football programs. That's not going to help me because you're going to make my, my Haitian track athlete feel less worthy. Not by your mouth, but maybe by your, is that all you can do? Come on, let's put this weight on. No, I can't do it. Put the weight on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I've made that mistake before. So these, these up and coming strength coaches are looking, they, you got to get a little bit more in, under your belt than just one sport. Yeah, this when you're applying for jobs, this is this is important. But just in general, as as young coaches, aspiring coaches entering the field, knowing your blind spots, knowing <laughs> what yes, experience sir. you have and what experience you don't have that they might be looking for. And it, you know, not every job is for you in that moment, but right. If you can recognize that or if someone tells you, hey, we're looking for someone a little more well-rounded, you can go seek that out. Yeah. Uh, and and for for different coaches, that might be just what you need, you know, just yes. to get that feedback. So yeah. This was uh this was a lot of fun. Want to be respectful of your time. I know you got to get back to practice here, but yeah. for anyone for anyone listening in, what's the best way to reach out if they have questions for you? Uh, you can. I'm on the website. You go to Bethune Cookman University under Athletic Directory. I am right there. Understood the conditioning. Ain't but three names there. So, <laughs> email me. Call me. I actually get our office phone goes straight to my cell phone. I am reachable at all times. So email, text. You can even text to office line um, on Twitter. I think it's Corlett's Fingers and. I think that's about it. I don't do all the other ones. I know the kids keep getting on me. You have Instagram, you have TikTok. I'm gonna do it one day, but that was the best ways to get in contact with me. Call me. All right, we'll get you up to speed on the social media game here soon. <laughs> I don't uh, have time. <laughs> they be in here all the time. Close fingers. I- I'm about to do. You know, you got me doing 375 on squats. Like, yeah, can I turn into a TikTok? Is that the that's the new what? role of the coach to hold the phone, hold the phone and get yes! the video? Yeah. Okay. I said, I got a coach. You can choke, still hold the phone. You can coach me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being with us today. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Let me know if you have anything else. That was Corliss Fingers, everybody. Appreciate everyone tuning in for the episode. And special thanks to Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. Hi, this is 2022 NSCA Professional Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year, Dan Dowerpole. Thanks for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, a top resource to hear relevant stories and insights from great coaches like you. To always get the latest episodes delivered right to your phone or computer, subscribe to on iTunes or look up the NSCA Coaching Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Also, go to NSCA.com to join the NSCA at an upcoming conference or clinic. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.